but I love that song, The Blessing. And as we were singing uh, towards the end there, and it's talking about to your families and your children and their children. Man, that got me fired up because, I mean, I, I look around the room and we got all these little babies and all these children and uh, we got babies that aren't here that are, you know, at home with different family members too. And man, it's just so exciting. I don't know if you guys have, so I share it with different people. I don't know if I've shared it on a Sunday morning. So if you've heard it before, just smile and say, okay, thanks. Um, but uh, from under a year, really under about nine months or so to like doing the next nine months, there are 10 babies in our church family. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this, this church is growing. And the, what I love about this church as well is that it's a church with people of all ages and all different places of life. And that's what the church is supposed to be like because that's what the community is like. And that's what heaven is going to be like, right? And, and so I'm excited about that. And so we do want to invite you to connect. That is such a part of being a part of the body of Christ. It's a connection. It's not just coming in for maybe an hour or so, once or so a week, but it's about being a part of the body. And so uh, especially if you're newer here or maybe you've just been attending Sunday mornings and checking us out, we want to invite you to connect deeper. A good way to start that is just stopping by our welcome table on the way out and just filling out a connect card and letting us know how we can better serve you and help you can help you get plugged in here at Movement Church. But also those of you who have done that before, you've been here for a while, Maybe you should consider joining a connect group and really getting in and studying God's word together, asking questions, growing in your faith and, and other ways that you can serve. But that's what we want you to do here at Movement. We want you to connect. We also want to invite you to take a moment and, and practice generosity. And we're going to talk about that a little more in depth a little bit later in the sermon. But we uh, believe in being generous. We've been generous from day one because God has been generous with us. And so many churches and organizations and individuals have given. So movement is here celebrating three years. Isn't it amazing? And, and we've already given to help new churches be started. And we want to continue to do that. And we want to see the gospel spread not just in our neighborhood, not just in our state, but all throughout the world. And so when you give at Movement, you give to kingdom things that help people get to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so you can give online at movementchristianchurch.com. You can give on our church app. We have an offering box in the back. And uh, but just know that when you give, kingdom things happen. Um, today, we're taking a little bit of a pause from the book of Colossians because I just wanted to talk about something that was on my heart and, and celebrate with you a little bit. And so we're going to be going to the book of uh, Numbers eventually, and that's one that you don't normally preach from a lot. Numbers. There's actually a book of the Bible called Numbers. Uh, it's in the Old Testament. It's early on, and you can go ahead and turn there if you want uh, on your Bible app or in your Bible or whatever you're using to Numbers 13, and we'll get there in just a second. And I don't always talk about uh, the titles of my sermons that much. Maybe I should, but I, I don't talk about them a lot. But today I'm going to just tell you the title, and then I'll explain it to you later, and I, I think you'll get it. But the title is simply this. 17 or 83 17 or 83 um, as I've told many of you before I was not born a preacher it's hard to believe you know I didn't come out in a little suit and tie most of y'all would probably pass out if you saw me in a suit and tie but I was not born a preacher um, and when I was in high school uh, as we right after we graduated a bunch of friends and a lot of people from our school went down to the beach in North Carolina Emerald Isle and we went down for what everybody called beach week and we were mostly doing Bible studies and things like that. Uh, oh, by the way, kids put the headphones on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and watch the video. Kids, kids do that. Um, but no, we were down there. And we, were, we were just having fun, hanging out, playing on the beach, doing all kinds of stuff. But one of the things that me and my friends had was this uh, 
water balloon slingshot. Has anybody ever seen these things? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's a great youth ministry tool too. So it's also good for kingdom uses. So you got one person holds a big handle on this side and another person holds a big handle on this side. And then you've got a little pocket with a handle on it and you can put water balloons in it. And as hard as you can stretch it, as far as you can stretch it, you can lay back. People even lay on the ground with that pocket and you can launch water balloons like a couple of hundred yards. It is it's one of God's greatest gifts, it, and it, but it's, it's an amazing thing. And so we were out there and what we were doing is we were launching water balloons. There were some girls from our, our school at a house across the road at the beach here. We were on the beach front. They were across the street and uh, they had some guys over there, you know, some of their boyfriends and just friends were over there. We didn't know these guys and they were out there on their deck. They were hanging out, having a good time. And so we decide, okay, we're going to send a few water balloons over there. It was hot that day. We want to cool them off. And, you know, we, we might have written scripture on the balloons or something. No, we didn't. But anyway, and so we're like, we're launching these balloons, right? And it is amazing. And so we start, you know, a few are hitting the roof of the house, you know, boom, splash, and you know, we're laughing. And most of the time they were laughing. But there was one guy over there that we didn't know. And he took exception to it. You know, he was, he was that guy. He was like, I'm going to be that guy today. And so pretty soon he's like, he's like, he's like saying, hit me, right? He's like, hit me. And we're like, okay. <laughs> and so we like take extra aim and like, I'm holding this side. My friend's over there and my other buddy's in the middle. I mean, he literally, he sits down on his back and leans back almost completely lying flat. And he launches that thing. And that guy standing there, he's like this, and he sees it coming, and he's like, this thing's on target. And we were like, that thing's on target. And we were excited. And so he's like, the last second, he, he's like, oh, no. It's like slow motion. He's like, oh, no. And he moves out of the way. Unbeknownst to his buddy who was inside the house, his buddy opens the door at the exact perfect, God bless time, <laughs> opens the do- I don't know if the Lord had anything to do with it. Probably not. But... <laughs> So we are like, oh my gosh. Um, but he opens the door and walks out and that balloon goes, Wah! and I kid you not, I kid you not, we could see it form around his face before it burst. Not lying. We could see it form around his face poof, and just bust. And man, we just collapsed in laughter. And, and we were like, <laughs> I mean, just lined up crying, everything. It was the greatest thing. It was the greatest thing ever. It's like, that having kids and no, I'm kidding I'm kidding I'm kidding um no <laughs> you'd have been proud of me boys but anyway but I'm just digging holes all around today but anyway that's okay so it was a good run for three years but anyway so we saw this thing just burst around him burst around him and, and man it was this most hilarious thing in the world and he as soon as he you know recovers uh he's ready to he's ready to fight and like you so say, he's getting ready to storm across the street. He's like, he's like, come on, guys. And he's trying to tell all his buddies, come on, guys. And we're like, okay. And all of us are up there. We weren't going to fight. We were going to have a discussion. Uh, but we were up there, and his buddies are just laughing so hard, they don't want to go with him. I mean, they're just rolling. They, they're like, funny to us, too. And so, you know, thankfully it was you and not us. And so he pretty quickly realizes it was him himself against, you know, 10 or 11 guys up on the deck of our house. And he decides, guess what? I'm okay. I'll recover. I'll be all right. He was fine. You know, he was just embarrassed. It didn't really hurt that bad. I'm sure it stung a little bit. Whew. But anyway, but he decided he didn't want to get into any kind of disagreement with us because we were more than he was. 
And honestly, you guys can relate to that, right? We all like majorities. We like to feel like we're a part of something where there's people around us. You know, a, a crowd pre-COVID was a really good thing most of the time, right? Now crowds are like, no, you know, you want to avoid crowds, you want to social distance. But most of the time when there was a crowd, we're like, okay, there's a festival going on, you know, Fourth of July celebration. If you've ever been to the Nightdale Town Fourth of July celebration, it's a big deal. A lot of people come from all over Raleigh to watch our fireworks. And you'll come out and there'll be like, Sometimes uh, around 50,000 people out there. And it's like, this is cool. Even if you don't like crowds, like this is at least neat. But now, you know, things are different. But we like a crowd. Just put it in perspective. Think about this. If you are wearing a Wolfpack jersey and you walk into a stadium full of Carolina blue, it can be a little bit intimidating, right? I won't say scary. It's Carolina after all. Looking at you, Charnel. <laughs> we got a lot of Carolina fans. I'm not a state fan either. I, I'm an ECU fan. We beat both. We don't care. So we used to. We used to. Used to. But nonetheless, if you are on an opposing team or a fan of an opposing team, it's a little bit intimidating, you know. Maybe not NC State, Carolina, Duke, but um, if you know much about NFL football, if you're like, say, a Redskins fan or a Giants fan and you walk into, Marty's not here today, I don't think, but if you walk into, oh, I know we got some Philly fans, you walk into a Philadelphia Eagles stadium and you walk in with your Redskins or your Cowboys or, you know, your Giants jersey, you're going to be intimidated because those Eagles fans are not going to be happy with you. Those people threw ice and rocks at Santa Claus, y'all. They are not going to like you for wearing a Giants jersey. So we like to be a part of the, the crowd. We don't want the crowd to be against us. And in Numbers 13, Moses chose 12 spies. God tells him in Numbers 13, he says, we're uh, maybe getting ready to go into the promised land. I want you to send 12 spies, one from each tribe, 12 tribes, and spy out this land that I've promised you, the land of milk and honey, this good land that I'm going to give you. So choose 12 spies to spy on the land of Canaan. The people had been freed from Egypt. They had crossed through the Red Sea, and they had spent a little time in the desert wandering. And this land that God had promised him was flowing with milk and honey. It was a good land that was prosperous and it was just beneficial. It was everything that they could have dreamed of and more. But it wasn't going to be easy. It was not going to be easy. So when they returned, the spies returned from the 40 days of spying. Here's what happens. You may know this story. Ten spies gave a bad or a false report about the land they had seen. They said, yes, it's good. It's good, man. I mean, they even brought back fruit. They brought back grapes that were so massive, they had to put them on a pole between them and carry between a couple of guys. And these grapes were just hanging down. And it was more than a per Grapes, y'all. I mean, this was big, big stuff. But yet still, they were so terrified of the fear of going into this place that they gave a bad report. Ten of the twelve gave a bad report out of fear. They focused on the enemy rather than the land and rather than on God. They focused on the enemy rather than the land. They gave a report out of fear. But two of the twelve, two of the twelve gave a good and an honest report about this land because they had faith in God and trusted him. So ten gave a bad report out of fear. Two gave a good report out of faith. You see, they focused on the God they served rather than the obstacles in their way. 
And that's an important point for you and I to remember. When you get into a situation where you don't know what's going to happen, if you don't know if you can take the steps you need to take, remember to focus on the God you serve rather than the place of fear that you are afraid to go to. But here's what we're talking about here. Remember I said the title of the sermon? Anybody remember what it was? 17 or 83. If you look at the numbers, 10 good or 10 bad spies is 83% of 12. And two good faithful spies is 17% of 12. So the overwhelming majority in this instance, in this account, in this story, were negative. They were fearful. They were afraid. They were focused on the wrong things. The majority didn't have the right mindset. They didn't have a spirit of faith, and they weren't willing to go and follow God into this difficult but blessed situation. So i got a question to ask you guys. When you sense God leading you into something that might be a little bit scary, a little bit intimidating, a little bit unknown, what's your response? How do you respond? Maybe not what do you say, but how do you feel in here? How do you feel in here? What is your response when you come to a situation that's uncomfortable or God calls you to take a step of growth that you never felt that you were ever going to do? Maybe he asks you to serve. He nudges you in the direction of serving in a certain way or talking to somebody that you just don't know if you can muster up the courage to tell about Jesus. You don't know how they're going to respond. How do you respond? Do you respond in fear or do you respond in faith? You know, that's a question that even those watching on Facebook, we need to ask ourselves, every single one of us need to ask, do I respond in fear or do I respond in faith? And on our third birthday as Movement Church, how do we respond moving forward? Statistics say that many new churches don't make it past two years old. Here we are, boom, broke the odds, three, right? You know, we, we, we broke the odds, but we're going to keep fighting and we're going to keep claiming new ground, asking God to lead us into uncomfortable places and uncomfortable spaces. So the question you, I want to ask you this morning, the question I ask myself on the third birthday of Movement Church is where do you stand, 83 or 17? 83 or 17. And if it wasn't bad enough to be 10 versus 2 or 83% versus 17%, it got worse. I wish I could tell you it didn't get worse, but it does. Look at Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. It says, Then the whole community began weeping aloud at the reports that the negative guys gave. And they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle against these enemies? You see, they'd given the report and they said, the people there are giants. They are massive. There's no way we can take this in. Yeah, the land's good. Look at the grapes. But there's no way we can fight these, ma- these enemies that are ruling this place. They will destroy us. We're like ants to them. And so people said, only to die in battle. You brought us here, God, only to let us die in battle. Look at halfway through verse 3. Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Verse 4, Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Do you catch that? The great vast majority of the whole nation, anywhere between maybe 1 and 6 million people, we don't know exactly, 1 and 6 million people, the overwhelming majority said, we should have just died in slavery. 
That's crazy. That's absolute crazy talk. They had been set free. They had experienced freedom. Their people had been enslaved for 400 years. And they said, we would have been better off to die there. We'd have been better off to die there. But now we're free. We've been set free by God through Moses. And now it's just better. Let us go back. Let's choose another leader. The whole nation, except for Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb is who we're told. They rebelled against God. They rebelled in fear against God. And they said they wished they had died in slavery in Egypt, their land of imprisonment, or that they could go back there. But in all honesty, aren't we just like that sometimes? Aren't we just like that sometimes? It's almost as if we say sometimes, I'd rather be dead in sin than uncomfortable in a faith-filled life. We may not vocalize that. We may not say that phrase, but the way that we live and the way the choices that we make, that's what we're saying. I'd rather be dead in my sin than uncomfortable in a faith-filled life following Jesus Christ. Or maybe we say it more like this. I'd rather be comfortable in my lostness than uncomfortable in the church. Because at least then I was blissfully ignorant and now I know all the things that God's calling me to do and the people that God's calling me to go to and I just don't feel comfortable. And it might sound crazy to, to say it out loud. But don't our actions often say that? Loudly? The challenge is to be like Caleb. The challenge is to be like Caleb, one of the two faithful spies that we learn about here in Numbers 13 and 14. When fear creeps in, and fear's going to creep in. People, I used to believe that courage was the absence of fear. It's not. Courage is the willingness to move forward in the face of fear. And I believe that's probably what Joshua and Caleb did. Now, they may have been some courageous, strong guys that didn't always, you know, worry and and fear. But most of us, there's something that we worry about. There's something that keeps us frozen in our tracks, unwilling to move forward. And we need to understand, we need to be like Caleb. And here's how we do that. Trust God's plan. Trust God's plan. From the get-go, the moment they came back and gave the report, Caleb didn't care what the false spies had said. He told the truth, and he said, this is a good place, and God is for us. He had faith in God from the get-go. Look at Numbers 13, verse 30. Back up a little bit from where we just read. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let us go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. There was no doubt in his mind because he knew the God that they served. Let me remind you just a moment. Let me remind you. What had they all witnessed, every single one of them? When they left Egypt, they not only left, they were given all the treasures of Egypt, basically, right? God inclined the people to give them all these things, so they left and they looted them as they left. They get to the Red Sea, And what happens? The sea opens up, they pass through on dry ground, and then their enemies are covered over in the water. And it talks about in Corinthians, it talks about that that was like their baptism. They went through and and their sin was washed away. Their enemy, their captives were washed away. And they entered into this new life in in the desert before they go to the promised land. And and you've got all these things. They saw God give them manna and and quail to eat when they were hungry. Their clothes did not wear out. He gave them water from a rock. They knew God was faithful, but their fear overwhelmed them. 
It wasn't that God hadn't shown up. It wasn't that God hadn't shown up in a mighty way. It was that he, they were just not willing to trust him in the next steps. And so what we have to understand is to be like Caleb, trust from the get-go. He had seen God's faithfulness time and again. And God was the one who commanded the spies to be sent. So there was no doubt that God was going to be with them because God said, send 12 people to go and check it out. And yet they still ran in fear. So remember God's past faithfulness like Caleb did. God, you've been faithful in the past, and I trust you'll be faithful in the future. The next thing is this. Be ready for resistance. Absolutely. Buckle up, buttercup, because it's going to be tough. If you're somebody who's willing to be one of the 17, and you march forward, and you say, I know what God's going to do, there are going to be people that are going to resist, and they're going to stand up, and they're going to grumble, they're going to complain. It says the crowd got bigger once the two guys gave the good report. Caleb and the others kept the faith in Numbers 14, verse 5. Look there and read with me. Then Moses and Aaron, when the people started complaining, fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land that we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, He will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only a helpless prey to us. There are some translations that say they are bread to us. I love that. That's so, that's so cool. They're bread. They're just, they are, they ain't even the meal. They're just, they're the appetizer, y'all. That's what he's saying to the enemy. They're just bread to us. Because God is on their side. He says they are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. I mean that that hopefully gets me. It gets me fired up. I hope it gets you fired up. Is that when God is with you. It doesn't matter what the enemies look like. It just matters who God is. But be warned. Be warned. Standing with the 17% is not easy. It is not easy. It may get you stoned. And I'm not talking the Colorado type of stone. I'm talking about big rocks thrown at your head, you know? And it says in Numbers chapter 14, verse 10, if you don't believe me, it says they said they picked up rocks and they decided they want to stone them because they didn't like the truth. They didn't like the truth of the good report that God was with them. And they said, you know, I think we're going to stone you. We're going to kill you. Remember this, though, when you decide to stand with the 17, be like Moses, Aaron, Caleb, and Joshua, and stand even if it's just a handful of people. People will try to push back if you tell the truth and you try to stretch their faith. It's honest. You've probably done it to people. I've done it to people when they tried to stretch my faith, but just be prepared and know because people that are ruled by fear will take the familiarity of the desert they know over the uncertainty of the promised land they don't know. Did you hear what I said? I said this, because people ruled by fear will take the familiarity of the desert they do know over the uncertainty of the promised land they don't know. I'd rather live in the desert that I'm at least familiar with than go to a great place that I'm not quite sure about. Because we get ruled by fear. So stand strong and know that God is faithful. He is with you. He is with us. He is with us. Next idea that we learn from Caleb is this. 
Choose your group carefully. Choose your group carefully. The 83% were punished. The 83% were punished. The 10 spies who gave the, the, the bad report were killed by plague. I'm just saying, COVID. I, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Shame on me. I'm just kidding. But it says that the 10 spies who gave the false report and lied and put fear in the hearts of the people were killed by plague. And then it goes on. It says, as for the rest of the complainers, which was most of the adult part of the nation, rest of the complainers that followed their lead, it says, God goes on and says, they will not enter the promised land because you rebelled against me and complained. And let's understand that complaining is equal to, say it, rebellion. Complaining is equal to rebellion. One more time, complaining is equal to rebelling. We've got to understand that when we complain against God and don't trust His faithfulness and this rebelling against God and the rest of the people that were swayed by the false report and complained and said, let's get another leader and let's go back. We should have died in Egypt. We'd be better off if we go back there. They were punished. They were not allowed to enter the promised land. And the entire nation wandered for 40 years. One year for every day of spying. 40 days of spying, 40 years of wandering in the desert before they entered the promised land. It says that in, in, uh, in chapter 14, verses 34 through 35. And all of that generation that complained against God and rebelled against God died in the desert. And only their children and their descendants entered into the promised land. And only Joshua and Caleb from that generation entered into the promised land. Everybody else died in the desert. But take note of this. Everyone wandered in the desert for 40 years. So choose your side carefully. Choose who you spend your time with. If it's people who are complaining and don't trust God, you encourage them to come along with you but say, I'm going to follow God. I want you to come with me. Don't sit back and complain with them. Because even though you might have the right heart and the right spirit, they will sometimes keep you from experiencing the blessings that God has for you because you sit back with them and let them complain. Because everybody had to wander for 40 years. Even the people who had faith didn't get to go ahead and enter the promised land. They had to wander with everybody else and pay for the sins of the, the crowd. So choose your group carefully. And here's another idea. Embrace different. Embrace different. Learn from Caleb. Numbers 14, verse 24. It says, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude a different spirit than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. And, and you know, God's saying, look, I, I like this guy because he's got a different spirit than everybody else. He's willing to stand up even when others won't. So be willing to embrace being different. Caleb had this different spirit. And the question is, is that true of you? Do you have a different spirit than people who are ruled by fear and not by faith? Do you stand out because your faithfulness? In verse 24, it says, He remained loyal to me. And another translation says, He followed me fully. We've been in the middle of this series called Full, based on Colossians. And Caleb is another example of that, is to be full in Christ, is to trust Him completely. He followed me fully. It's much more than just simple belief. 
And so here's a few questions you can ask and you can think about to, to see, am I like Caleb or how can I become like Caleb? Are you willing to speak up and be heard? When people are willing to, to complain and not trust God, are you willing to speak up, not necessarily in anger, but just in trust of God and say, look, I believe God is with us and we need to go and we need to do what he's saying. I believe that Jesus said before he ascended up into heaven to go into the world to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I believe that's what God said. Even if other people aren't willing to go and do what Jesus said, we're willing to do it. Are you willing to speak up in love? And that's the important part. Speak the truth in love. Just because you speak up doesn't mean you've got to be a jerk. You don't have to be a jerk to tell the truth. Sometimes we think that those things have to go hand in hand. But the Bible talks about speaking the truth in love. You can tell somebody the truth and do it with love in your heart and love in your voice. Are you willing to go to uncomfortable places to help other people? Are you willing to go to uncomfortable places like Caleb was to help other people? Sometimes it is a third world country. And there may be, God may be calling somebody in here right now to go to a third world country and serve. You know, we've, we've gone on a mission trip to, to Mexico and we want to take more mission trips and he might be calling you to pack up your whole family and move there. Don't say he won't. <laughs> Because he will. Are you willing to go to uncomfortable places? But sometimes it's not to a third world country. Sometimes it's across your backyard to your neighbor. Sometimes it's next door. Sometimes it's across the hall in your own house that God is calling you to go and spread the truth and love and help them know that Jesus died for them too. And another question you ask is, are you willing to follow fully? Are you willing to follow fully? What does that look like? I believe the way to describe it is this. It means a greater dependence on God. Can I ask you a question really quick? Can I get you to think abstractly and think outside the box a little bit? Imagine your life and the choices you make as you try to follow Christ. If somehow, not saying you're not loved by God, but just imagine with me. Somehow, if the Holy Spirit was just taken out of your life, would your life go, going forward look any different than it did before when you had the Holy Spirit? Let that marinate for a second. Because that's convicting for me too. If the Holy Spirit was no longer in your life tomorrow, would your life look any different going forward than it did when you had the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit, are you, are you going to places and are you going to people and are you saying the things that need to be said that require the strength of God and His Holy Spirit or do you just sort of coast? I know there's so many times in my life that I've just coasted. And so are you willing to follow fully? Are you in relationships with lost people that need Jesus? Are you redeeming the time, opening the doors for conversation and walking through the doors that God's opened? Are your relationships with family and friends, are they redemptive? Do you show the love of Jesus to them? And when the opportunity arises, do you talk about the love of Christ with them? Or do you just hope that they get it by osmosis, by sitting next to you at Thanksgiving? You know, but I'll go ahead and tell you, if you've got to sit farther apart at Thanksgiving, it's going to be even harder for it to spread between the mashed potatoes and you. <laughs> Thank y'all for laughing, I appreciate it. But how about monetarily? 
Do you follow God fully in every area of your life? You know, do you trust God with every single area of your life, in your work, your play, your finances, your health, your relationships, your, your children raising, you know, how you are in your community, how you treat other people that are different than you, that look different than you, that think different than you, that vote different than you? How do you treat people? Are you following him fully in every area of your life? This country is, is full of hate and we need to step up in love and show that God made us all and that we're made to love one another and Jesus died for every single one of us. And do you live in a way, this is what greater dependence looks like as well, living to see the impossible. Do you put yourselves in places where God has to show up? I'm not necessarily talking about physical harm. You know, I'm not telling you to be one of those dudes that walks a tightrope across the Grand Canyon. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, do you put yourself into positions where God has to show up or what you do is going to be a failure? Or do you simply stay in the shallow wind where you can manage on your own? You'll never become an Olympic swimmer by staying in the kiddie pool. I will never do it. You will never do it. And then you will never become an Olympic faithful swimmer by staying in the spiritual kiddie pool and not trusting God to take you through difficult circumstances. And then the last one is this, to see if you're living like Caleb, following fully, is do you really try to do things God's way? Do you try to do things God's way? Here's what that looks like. Less, war, less worry, more word. Less worry, more word. Instead of spending all of your time worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow, or how you're going to meet that bill, or how you're going to tell that person, spend time in God's word. When you start to worry, spend time in God's word. When you worry, read God's word. But here's another thing. Less planning, more prayer. Less planning, more prayer. I'm not saying make wise plans. God also tells us to do that. But spend more time praying than you do, you do planning. And trust God to help you make the plan and lead you on the steps to open up the doors and the opportunities and let you walk through on a much smoother road than you or I could ever plan or dream or scheme. Trust Him more. Pray more than you plan, but plan nonetheless. So where are you? Where are you? 17 or 83? Remember any of the other spies' names? You remember any other, the ten spies? You don't. No, you don't. You don't remember them because they weren't faithful. Their names are weird and crazy, and so thankfully Joshua and Caleb were the good faithful ones, and you can remember those names easy. God knows what he's doing. <laughs> but you don't remember the names of the 83. You only remember the names of the 17. And God honors faithful people who follow Him. God puts the people up who follow Him and trust Him. And people, just people remember faithful people who follow God. When you faithfully follow Jesus into the lives of other people, they remember you because of the impact that you make, whether you know it or not. Can I tell you something? And I don't want to sound like I don't want to sound like bragging. But some of y'all remember Kevin McNeil, who's planning a church in Goldsboro, who came and spoke for me over Christmas in January when we were in Ireland and Italy on our mission trip. He told me just the other day, somebody said, How long have you known Bobby? And my first thought was I met him around 2010, something like that. That was when I remember meeting him. 
He said, that's not when you met me. He said, I met you when you were speaking at Hillsborough Family Camp in Ohio when I was like 13 or 14 years old. And you were preaching a message that Kendall Fall, Maddie's dad, had asked me to come and deliver on Wednesday night. And he said, I want you to talk about the blood, the blood of Jesus. And I just preached God's word and I tried my best to be faithful. But God's word spoke to Kevin and through all the other people who had spoken that week and had been preparing his heart. And he gave his life to Jesus. He was baptized into Christ that night, that week. And he said, you didn't know me then, but I knew you. And I can't tell you how many times that I've thought about it as July rolls around and it's time to go to Ohio. And I'm like, man, I'm just tired. I don't want to go to Ohio. It's like a thousand hours away. But I go and now I see why. I see why. Because God used me, an imperfect and flawed person, because I was willing to go where he called me and willing to speak what he told me to speak. And he changes lives through you and I. And he remembered me. And I'll be honest, I'm worried about being forgotten more than I should be. And every now and then, God gives you a glimpse. It's like when you're just in my hand, everybody's going to remember you for the impacts that you make. But more importantly, they remember me, Him. They remember Him through you. And at Movement Church right now, in year three, we're in a pivotal moment. We're in a pivotal moment. And most of you are not unaware that, you know, we don't have right now a, a, a permanent home. I'm not even talking about just our own building that we own. I'm just saying somewhere that we go. We're so thankful for this beautiful place. This is nice. <laughs> but we know that our church family to continue growing and have a great place for our kids to learn and grow in Jesus, we're going to need something more permanent. And so we're at a pivotal time in, in our church family's life. You know that from February of 2019 to February of 2020, that we almost doubled in size. God is so faithful. And then COVID. <laughs> and, and there were times that I doubted and I worried. Instead of being in the Word, I worried. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And we did online. And it was great. And you guys were faithful in getting online. And we had new people getting online watching that had never been to our church and God used that and blessed that and then that for a few months we got together outside and then everything that you would think is who in the world wants to go sit outside and do church and, and you did and new families came and worshiped with us and, and have grown closer to Jesus and we averaged about 60% of our attendance outdoors in the heat in North Carolina and God is so good and then so many other people watching online like there's people watching online right now they continue to watch and be a part of the church. And we added five or six new families and we even had two baptisms during the quarantine. Praise God! It looks bleak, but God. It looks bleak, but God. And now we're searching for a more permanent home for movement. Whatever that may look like, however that may happen. And God has provided us with this great place here for a season, but we know that we do need something more permanent that we can call our own. And it's not simply about a building, but it's having the right tools to reach people for Jesus. That's what it's all about. And we are at this church, we are a church that's about family. I mean, look at all the children and the babies that we have, right? But it's so much more than even just that. It's about being family together. Whether you're married, single, young, old, whatever it is, it's about being together as family in Christ. 
And we want to have a place where our family can come together and prepare and do ministry and launch out into the community so that more people can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And because we believe that Jesus changes everything, and we believe that what God has in store for us is worth the struggle that lies ahead of us, we believe that God didn't send Jesus for just a few, but for the many. And we want to do all we can to reach as many as possible. And because of that, we believe that God's leading us to have a home base of operations, to conquer strongholds of the enemy, and proclaim freedom for captives, and sight for the blind, and hope for the hopeless. And we're asking God to lead us. We are the 17. We are the 17. Because God is good and God is faithful. But we need to take a leap of faith. We need to take a leap of faith. We've been here three years. We, we had a, a solid place at Hodgewood Elementary and, and we don't know when or if we may be able to go back in there because of all the COVID restrictions. And at this time, I'll be honest, our, you guys have given so generously and our giving here locally has gone up, but our outside support at the same time was sort of going down. There were churches that struggled financially because of COVID, and so they couldn't support us. And then there are other churches that have given for three years and they've reached the end of their commitment. We're thankful for them and they got us to where we are. But now it's time more than ever for us to help put our life in the hands of God and say, God, lead us where you want us to go. And I'll tell you, there's a possible property that it would take a move of God, but our God is good, right? There's a possible property that maybe could become a home for us 24-7 full-time where we can do ministry and win people to Jesus and serve and love our community. What it's going to take is us following God where He leads and going to uncomfortable places and trusting Him even when it seems like there may not be a way. It's going to take us working together as a family in faith so what I'm asking you to do is to prayerfully consider how God can use you because we have a vision statement that says until the neighborhood knows Jesus we're going to keep loving and serving and moving in this community in this world until the neighborhood that is the world knows Jesus and God I believe is calling each and every one of us to play a part in that until the neighborhood knows Jesus we're going to keep following we're going to keep trusting we're going to keep stepping out in spite of the fear we're going to step out in faith because we are the 17 we are the 17 we're not the 83 we are the 17 and God is good and he is faithful this morning do something a little bit different we want to give you an opportunity to share something on your heart if this has led you to you maybe you've been running in fear from giving your life to jesus and you need to be one of the 17 today and you need to step to the other side and say i want to belong to jesus then we can take care of that or maybe you've been floundering in your faith and you've been tempted to be even though you were one of the 17 you've been tempted to be one of the 83 i want you to say i want to stand up and be one of the 17 again and trust where god's going to lead me next but something I want all of you to pray, if you're a part of our regular movement family here at Movement, I want you to pray about doing this one thing for me. We've created a simple little short survey that we want you to go home and pray about for a few days and fill out. We've got paper versions and we've got them online. You're going to get a push notification if you have our app as a little bit after church is over with. And then we'll also post on our website later today. 
We want you to pray and we want you to see, God, use me in this way. How can I give to help movement do what you're calling us to do next? It may be fearful, it may be scary, but God is faithful. He is true. And so we're asking you to prayerfully consider how you can play a part in helping us impact this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are 17. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that God, even though we are weak and powerless, you are powerful and you are strong and you are love and you are compassion and you are grace and you let that drip over us and cover over us and by your Holy Spirit we can change uh, you change us from the inside out and you give us life and you give us the words of life to speak life into other people. And so I pray, Father, that you guide us as a church family. Help us to see the steps that you're calling us to, where you're leading us. Lord, if you've got a, a permanent home for us, God, we pray that you would make every way because you are the way maker and that you would open every door and you would knock down every wall and that you would help us to trust you. And yes, the water may be raging when we step into the river, but you're going to stop it when we step. And I pray, Father, that we would in faith be the 17 and trust you, knowing that you've got more for us to do and you've got more to do in us. And so, Father, I pray that in a mighty way you would move our hearts to help us say with one voice, we are the family of God and we see this is what you're doing and this is where you're leading us. Help us to be faithful to you, God, because you are so faithful to us. We love you, Father. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. If you got something on your heart, I'll be right here in the back and I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. But as you leave today, we're going to encourage you to either take one of those paper form surveys and fill it out, pray and fill it out and give it back or hop online and fill that out. But we want you to pray. That's the most important thing we want you to do is to pray because we are the 17. This is how I feel.